This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. It's been a heavy weekend. I can't try to act like it's not. God is good. And this morning, I am excited to open up the Word of God. I'm looking forward to this topic to continue in the book of Galatians. And uh, I, I pray that today would be, a, uh, this message would be a message that would be encouraging, that it would be challenging, that it would be something that we can all walk away from and just uh, praise God as to who he is, as to what he has done, as to what he has made available to us. And uh, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And in Job chapter 9, the question that was asked in Job 9 and verse number 2 is this, how should man be just with God? How should man be just with God? How is it that one could be in right standing before God? You might say, uh, how do we enter eternal life with Jesus Christ? What does one have to do to be saved? I don't doubt that almost every person in this room today could answer that question. It could possibly take your Bible and walk through uh, the Word of God with somebody and take them through what we might call the Romans road or uh, share with them that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the, the glory of God. And we might share with them some of those truths of Scripture. And I don't doubt that almost every person in this room could do something like that. The answer in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 4 says this, the just shall live by faith. See, the, the thought this morning as we begin to dive in and, uh, is this, is it's not just so much that we could share with one another, hey, this is, this is what somebody has to do to get saved. It's not about anything that you do. It's about Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again and all of those things. I think almost everybody in this room would, would be able to give us something like that. But if you've been with us throughout this series, in this series, one of the things that I have taught, there's two different things I've really pressed as I want you to know this. I'm striving to know this as I study this, is that, that we would know the gospel through and through. That the gospel message is not just something that we said a prayer, that we have eternal life in Him, but it's something that ought to radically transform every fabric of our being. And not just that, and... The, the series is entitled Set Free, is that we would understand and grasp a hold of the fact that we have freedom in Christ. Our salvation, that what Christ has done and what we have in Him is that it would, be, it would be freeing. And the statement in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 is the just shall live by faith. That is the, the justified those who are declared righteous shall live, shall walk by faith. Romans chapter 1 speaks to being justified by the grace of God and faith. Galatians chapter 3, and we'll get there in several weeks, speaks of uh, that we don't live by the law. And in Hebrews chapter 10, it speaks that we should live by faith and not waver. We shouldn't go back on our faith. Today we're going to look at one of the the many mysteries of God, if you will. Things that we can only begin to comprehend as the Holy Spirit really just gives it to us. All throughout Scripture, there are so many things, there are so many mysteries that we just can't fathom and understand. How can a man live and be 100% perfect? I have no idea. How can God be God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, all three completely different but yet all completely the same. How can God live in a place that has no time? What is it to be timeless? There's so many things throughout Scripture, and this morning we're going to dive into to one of those mysteries, if you will, that God has given to us. Mystery, maybe it's salvation. John chapter 3 speaks of being reborn. 
how can one go back into the womb was the question. It's a mystery how we could be born again. John 14, how can, how can Christ, how can God live within me, but yet it says that I would live in him. How does the Holy Spirit dwell within us? Galatians chapter 2, we'll look at this a little bit today. We'll see in the, in, that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I don't understand, I don't fully comprehend. How do we grasp all of this big thought? Because I can't fully grasp and understand that. We can't grasp the depths and lengths that God has went to purchase us in and through his redemption. That is that he paid the ultimate penalty of death for you. He bought us back. Think about it. He bought us back. When God made man, we were his. We said, I don't need this, and we kind of did our own thing, right? And sin. And God made a way and he purchased us and he bought us back through the blood of his Christ, through, the, through Jesus going to the cross. He bought us back. Romans 3, 24, being justified, which is a word we're going to look at today, being justified freely by his grace. What does it say? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, we failed him, we hurt him, yet he desires to come and pay that penalty for us. He desires that we would be declared righteous through redemption, through his payment. That we would be seen as innocent. That my slate, that our slate would be completely wiped clean. And this morning we're going to look at the truth of what it speaks of in this passage in Galatians chapter 2, the truth of justification. This might be for some, you might think, this isn't a Sunday morning topic, this is something that you do in a small group, or this is something that we do in a, a, a Bible study time, where we just get into the, the nitty gritty of some of the depths of what Scripture speaks of, and I understand that, but as I was going through this passage and I was studying through this passage, my intention was to do the rest of this chapter. I'm not going to do that this morning, but what I want to do is this. I literally, I'm going to take the next, we'll say 40 minutes, and I just want to give definition so that we walk away today truly having a, an, a, as much of an understanding in the next few minutes that we can have as to what it is that this word justification is. Because I believe with everything in me, there's a lot of people that we would sit in here and we could grasp a hold of. We'd say, oh yeah, uh, Jesus died. He, uh, you know, there's forgiveness and there's this and there's that. And that's what our salvation is. And yeah, we can go through those. But I want to really get down to the nitty gritty of it. Because I believe in everything that I've studied, everything that I read. If we can understand this, then literally this whole thought of being set free of having freedom, we just sung that song. If we were to go back and look at some of the lyrics and the, the bridge of that song, I am, can you do that? That uh, God, you're so good, the bridge, I am uh, blessed, I am called, I am, yeah. If we were to look at these things, I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. And we begin to look through some of these words and some of the thoughts of uh, highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. Think about that. If we can grasp in our mind that I am all of those things in Christ, that is freeing. That is freeing. And this morning... My prayer is that we would leave having a greater understanding, not just that we would walk away and say, oh, I'm a Christian, but that we would walk away and say, I'm a Christian, and, and, and where I stand before God matters. And because of where I stand positionally before God changes everything about who I am and how I can live and why I do what I do. That is freeing this morning. I'm going to give you a very simple definition. And then in a few moments, I'm going to dive into it a little bit deeper. 
justification, a simple definition would be just as if it never happened. Just as if it never happened. So we've been cleansed from all sin, past, present, and future. The sin has been removed as though it never happened. So if you have come to a place where you've come to to place faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we have been justified. That is that Jesus takes, he looks at you, he takes your sin, he wipes it away as if it never, ever, ever happened. See, I'm going to give a couple things, and my intention, I, I, my prayer, I pray that this makes sense, because I believe in some of the mystery of what this is. A lot of the words that we use as Christians, uh, that we, would, we, would, we throw out, are all there, but God has them perfectly ordained in a specific thing. One of them is forgiveness. Justification is not forgiveness. Justification is greater than forgiveness. It's greater than forgiveness. One of the stuff, one of the, I was looking at this and I was reading different things. Forgiveness is the idea that we have done harm to someone and in forgiving they will endeavor not to hold it against us but in our conscience we know that it leaves our sin still sitting there unpunished and undealt with. Our lack of condemnation depends wholly on the strength of uh, will of the one harmed to continue to forget that we harmed them. Justification is greater than forgiveness. Justification, one of the words that we throw out often, is is a pardon. Justification is not a pardon. See, a president, a governor, somebody can pardon somebody. That individual was guilty, and the pardon simply removes them from the punishment, yet they're still guilty of the crime, and it's still on their record. Justification completely eliminates any form of record, any form of anything, as if it never happened. Now we can get into the diving deep. Someone in here is going, well, there's a pardon. There are pardons that expunge all criminal, they take away the record. But we just throw out some of these things, this this idea, but in Hebrews chapter 8, it says this, what? Their sins and their iniquities will I, what? Remember no more. They will be wiped away as if it never happened. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember their sins. Justification is that my sin is no longer remembered. It is blotted out. It is central to the gospel. It is foundational to everything that we know in the gospel. Everything that we would call ourselves a Christian. It is foundational. It is central. I said it a moment ago. It is is foundational to our positional truth. It is vital for those who live in fear, who live in their past, who live attempting to earn something that you cannot earn. I cannot earn, I cannot do enough to be justified in God's eyes. There's nothing that I can do to be good enough. To have my sins completely wiped away. I can't earn righteousness. Listen, I can't change what I did yesterday, five years ago, ten years ago. Therefore, in justification, God says all of that is gone. So therefore, we don't need to live there any longer. But so many of us do. We live in those things. Let me ask you this real quick. Maybe you've taught In a classroom setting, maybe you've been a coach. Maybe you as a parent, you've been a parent and you've you've looked at somebody or maybe it's even in a work setting, but you've looked at somebody and you have thought, man, they have, they, they could be so amazing. I remember there's kids that I've, I've coached or there's kids that I've taught in a classroom and I've thought to myself, if they could just grasp a hold of this, the potential is limitless. Anybody been there? Maybe you look at your own children and you think, man, now we're all a little bit biased towards our kids, but you really look at them and you think, man, I, I believe that they have 
they're talented, they have, they have this or that or whatever it is, and you genuinely, you're just like, if they would grasp it. But you know what? You believe in them more than they believe in them. You see something different in them than they see in themselves. In many, in many ways, that's Christ who is looking down and he is, he is seeing this, but because we can't see where we stand before God, we never can see who we are truly in Christ. And he just says, hey, I've done this. I've paid for all of that. You are okay. The Bible says that, that if you know Christ, you are, you are clothed in his righteousness. You are a child. You are an heir of God. We sung some of those things that are on that. I am, I am whole. I am, I, am made, I am made new. I am all of these things. But here's my problem. I don't always see that because I don't grasp all that God has done. And this morning, I can't make you understand this, but I pray that by the time you leave this morning, if nothing else, you would leave saying this. God, I don't fully understand it, but I am going to, I'm begging you. The word of God says, if you don't understand, to ask for it. I don't have wisdom, I need to ask for it. And I'm, I, my prayer for you today, my prayer as I have studied this is, God, I, I don't fully understand what this is. But your word tells me if I ask that you will begin to re reveal that to me. And I need, to be, I need this to be revealed so that I can live a full life. We always talk about it. We always throw out that God says he wants us to have an, an abundant life. But we can never have an abundant life if I can't grasp a hold of my position before God that I have been justified before him. We're going to be spending the next two weeks today and next week in Galatians chapter 2. We'll be in verse 15 to 21. Today, in all reality, I'm not going to really teach through this passage hardly at all, but I want to read through it, and I want to explain why I'm reading through it. You'll see it very, very quickly as you look at this word justified is in this passage multiple times, and then I want to, I want to make a, a, a statement as to why I feel, I guess I already have, but why even in this passage I feel that this is such an important thing that we can understand. So if you have a, a, a Bible, or if you don't, there's on, it'll be on the screen. But Galatians chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 15 to 21 here this morning. It says this in verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified... By the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Father God, I come to you this morning, and Lord, I ask that your word would be uh, understood that you would make clear the thoughts that need to be said today. Father, would it be life-changing? Would it be freeing that we could see and understand and grasp and have a desire to better understand and know you and what you desired and what you have done for us? For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. This chapter takes us through a lot. So last week we were looking at uh, hypocrisy and Peter and some of the different things that had taken place and we've looked at all of these things and it comes to this and we go through this and I don't know if, if I have to ask too many times if you were to read this you would see one word over and over and if you were to say I wonder what the 
the topic is of this passage of scripture. It wouldn't take you long to go, wow, the word justified is over and over and over and over again. So as I do every single week, I sit down and I look at it and I try to take a passage of scripture and I go, okay, what is the main thought of this passage? Well, here it's pretty clear. Over and over, it says justified, justified, justified. So we look at that. And then we come to the end. It's a very uh, uh, familiar passage. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And I think sometimes I can speak for myself. I remember reading that passage of scripture and trying to go, man, I don't understand what in the world. I didn't die. I'm still breathing. I've got breath in my lungs, but yet it says that I've died and that I'm not living, but somebody else is living in me and, and, and I'm now living by faith. And sometimes I think we take passages of scripture like this and we try to grasp it. We try to, 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 oh, okay, I got it. And then we go, but I'll just leave that to those guys because they study it and they're the ones that need to know it. Anybody done that? Am I the only one? Thank you, Murray. Thank you. Thank you. I think all of us have been there at some point where we've tried to read through something and it doesn't fully compute. And so we go, well, I'll just leave that to the pastor. And when he teaches on it, I'll, I'll better understand it. I, I think there's something to that. But I also believe that God himself says the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us, those mysteries that we don't understand. And this morning, why I bring any of this up is this. Because a passage like that that we throw out there that is powerful, that is, it really has great depth and great meaning, we don't fully understand because I can't grasp a hold of what, what does all those justifieds mean prior to that. And if we don't understand all of those, 15, 16, 17, 18, I'll never grasp what it means to be dead but yet Christ living in me. And I think that's pretty powerful. So I'm going to spend few minutes just trying to grasp a hold of this justification. So I don't have great, really cool points this morning. They're pretty, pretty plain and boring. But it says this, the question is this, what is the definition of justification? I'm going to give you a couple. I gave you one just in the definition, or just in the very beginning, just as though it never happened. But I want to give you this definition. I want to dissect this a little bit. See, if you study, if you go through any, if you go to the Webster's Dictionary, right, you've got one that says, like, really simple, and then you've got all the ones underneath of it that you're trying to go, what in the world? That's kind of one of this one. It's a little bit deeper, okay? So it says this, the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. The act of God whereby he, God, declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. Has anybody ever talked to you and said anything about working towards salvation? I'm going to do good. If I do these things, I want to take you through, and I don't want to just be a jerk and debunk all of that, but I want to debunk all that for just a moment. Because for me to stand before God and enter his heaven if you will we have to be just we have to be pure we have to be righteous we have to be because there can be no sin in the presence of God and so how do I stand the question in, in uh, that I asked at the very beginning in Job chapter 9 and verse 2 how should man be just with God how shall I be justified how shall I be right how shall I be righteous with God how can this happen the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner what righteous that I could stand before God in Jesus Christ. The first part of that is the act of God. It is an act, not a process. It is an act, not a process. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once and for all. If there was a process, let me ask you this. If it was a process, for starters, what form of security does that give to you and I? I have zero security because here's what's going to happen. As I do good, I'm going to get a high five, pat on the back. Aaron, you are awesome. 
that's what's going to happen. And then I'm going to do good again, and I'm going to get another high five, and I'm going to get an attaboy, and I'm going to get all of those, and it's going to be, yeah, man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And I'm climbing up that ladder, and I'm doing okay. But as soon as I do wrong, what happens? The exact opposite of that, right? So now I'm doing good, and I'm climbing, and I'm doing, all of a sudden I do bad, so now I start going back this way. And then I start going back this way. And before I know it, I've done all of these things, and I'm way over here. And then I do another good thing. And at the end of all of those things, I'm going to get before God. I'm going to come to the end. And I'm going to hope that the process of me doing good was good enough that I'm going to be all right. But the word of God, and we look at this word of justification, it's not a process. It is an act of God. So not only is it that I can't do anything, it's not a process. It's not even by me. It's an act of God. It's an act of God. It's an act of God that he declares the believing sinner to be righteous. So it's an act. It's a one-time thing. It is a, it is a done deal that he would declare you to be righteous. Think about this. He declared you righteous. He doesn't make you righteous. There's a difference there. Because if he made me righteous, then I would never sin again. But he declares us righteous. And then he says that the Holy Spirit would come in us and dwell in us. And then we can, we can begin to do right things. That's the work of sanctification. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we, get, we begin to look at those things. He declares us righteous. He declares us, and then that process of sanctification begins. Again, prior to, prior to this moment, what was I? I was lost. I was dead in my sin and trespasses. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. My position where I stood before God was I was in sin. I was condemned. I was to be... Uh, we look at all of those things. I was an enemy of God, it says in Romans 5.1. In justification, I'm now declared righteous. I am no longer guilty. I'm no longer condemned, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. We now have the ability to walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh, because the Holy Spirit and the work of sanctification in me. Again, I'm going to talk about sanctification in a moment, but as we begin to look at all of these things, it's an act of God that He now declares me. He says, Aaron, you are in right standing before God. Your sin is not seen in God's eyes. It has been completely washed clean. That act of God declares you to be righteous. What if we said, God, help me to know this? He says, if we don't know to what? Ask. If we want wisdom, ask. I would, I said it a moment ago, my prayer, my, my plea with you today, one, if you don't know Christ as Savior, that you would come to know Christ as Savior. But as a believer, most everybody in here would say, I know I'm a saved I'm a believer in God. I've been justified. But I ask you, do we grasp and understand what truly has happened that has set me free? Or am I living in a place, oh, but, but you don't understand my past. I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. As we grasp this, if we don't understand it, beg God to understand what he has done and who you are in him. When we understand this, we don't have to run from God. We don't have to fear. We don't have to uh, listen to the enemy who says, God doesn't want you. God is angry at you. You are worthless. Why don't you just go away? What did Adam and Eve do? They sinned and they believed that they were worthless. They believed immediately. They recognized their sinfulness. They went and hid themselves. They fled from God. They covered themselves. It's the same thing that we do. Nothing has changed. When I'm in sin, I don't want nothing to do with it. I want to go hide. Because in my mind, the enemy has said, Aaron, you're worthless. You can't do this. If only everybody in your church knew all of their past, they would never listen to anything that you have. And I begin to go, wow, how right that is. God says, no, 
No, I've taken all of that and I've wiped it all away. The slate has been clean. You are righteous in my eyes. Don't live in fear. Don't hide. Go, because in my eyes, you are in right standing. That is freeing. I'm not condemned any longer. And it says this, he justifies believing sinners. The act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. He justifies believing sinners. Listen, God isn't about coming and looking after you. And I want to justify that guy. And I'll pick that one and that one. And you know what? They make enough money and they live in the right place. And they act. They're okay. And they do this. No, it says that they are justified believing sinners. God did not come but to seek and to save what? That which was lost. That which was lost. Romans 4 and verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. For him that worketh not, that is the one that has come to the place of understanding, I can't do any more. I can't work hard enough. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came that sinners would come to repentance. Therefore, those who have come to a place of admitting their sin and belief in him, the one who will not admit they have sin or acknowledge their sin will never be in search of a savior. Jesus is just waiting for the lost, he's, his Holy Spirit is tugging and moving and working. He's waiting for us to say, yes, God, I, I need you. I am in need of a Savior. And I'll promise you this, the one that says that I have no sin is the same person that will never say, I need a Savior. Because what do I need saved from? I have no sin. I'm doing okay. I'm all right. A simple definition this morning, just as though it never happened. A little bit more of a detailed definition, the act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. And I would say this morning, and I would plead with you, do you understand that there was an act of God that declared you Somebody that was in sin, somebody that was in darkness, somebody that was dead in their sin and trespassing. He declared us to be righteous and he brought us to life. He quickened us to life. The second simple thought is this. What does justification mean to me? On the cross, Christ justified and imputed or deposited in our spiritual bank and declares us right before God. That is our standing changes before God. What it does is powerful. As we begin to recognize who we are and who we were and where we stood before him. I made this statement a couple times now. It speaks to our positional truth. Positional truth is this. Positional truth declares our eternal standing before God in Christ. It declares our eternal standing before God in Christ. This is permanent and is perfect. Then there's another aspect of that, experiential, or I was talking with Ben the other day, and he, he said it was a practical truth. That's an everyday living truth. Defines our current state in the flesh. This is temporary, and it's imperfect. As we understand our position, it ought to affect our experience or our practical way of living. As I understand who I am, it changes what I do. Understanding who I am and where I stand before God changes who I am or what I do and how I act. Why have I said when we grasp and know the gospel it would change everything about us? A lot of it's right here. When we grasp and understand where God has placed us positionally before him, and it changes everything inside of us and everything that who we are. And it places us in a different position of saying, no, I now stand before God. We read the scriptures and it says that you are an heir of God. 
The scripture says that I am now a child of God. The scripture says that we are righteous. We are clothed in righteousness. What does all of that mean? All of what I'm talking about, positionally speaking, before I was an enemy of God, today I am a child of God. Before I was dead, literally laying in a grave, if you will, and I was dead, there was nothing. There was no life spiritually. There was nothing. I hated God. I wanted nothing to do with God. And God reached down, and God quickened me, brought me to life, and stood me before God. And he now looks at me, and he says, Aaron. Actually, he doesn't even say Aaron, because there's a new name written in glory. But he says, hey, whatever my new name will be, he reaches down to me, and he says, hey, I am bringing you to life, and you now have this position before me. You're not an enemy. You are now my child. I love you. You are mine. Man, that changes everything. Everything. I can't fully grasp all that God has done in salvation in my life. I get that. Because I just, those are some of those mystery things. And one day we'll, we'll get to heaven and we'll be perfect and new. And we'll be like, ah, oh, man, I wish I'd have grasped that a long time ago. But, but what I get, what God allows me to see and understand ought to change everything about who we are. You know, when I was... Younger teaching teenagers, and they would say the statements like, well, I said this prayer so I can do anything that I want. I used to always think in my mind, that's a really, really dumb statement, and I still think that's a really, really dumb statement, but here's why. And the more that I've grown in understanding God's word, the more that it's made a lot more sense to me. Because if I truly know God and have asked Christ to come into my life, and that's the thought process that I have, that's a really dumb statement. Because I don't desire to live like that. If God is in me, I don't desire to live that way. I, my, my position has changed. I'm now a child of God. Why would I desire to curse him? As we understand our position, it ought to affect our experience or our practical way of living. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take us through a couple things in Scripture here. Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 2. I'm, I'm, we're going to kind of do like uh, just for the next couple minutes and then my last couple points are very, I've only got like four more. They're really short. <laughs> Some of you are like, and then the rest of you laugh. Um. But I want to just kind of go into a classroom setting for a minute. I'm going to ask a couple questions. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Looking at positional truth, experiential truth. As we look at this passage, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Have anybody ever heard anybody say, use this passage of scripture? Hey, seek your, seek and place your affection on things above. And all. We've, we've, we've sat through sermons, we've heard it, right? Now let's look at it through the, the lens of what we just talked about, positional truth, where I stand before God. If I look at this passage of scripture, where do I stand in this passage? What is positional? If I have been risen with Christ, that is a positional thing. I have, if you know Christ, I have been, I died and I rose with him. Now there's a whole lot of teaching that can go on that, well, another day. But as we look at that, positionally speaking, I have been raised with Christ. And because of that, because I've been raised positionally, now there's an action to that. What is the action? What does it say? I seek those things which are above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And what else do I do? I set my affection on things, not on things of the earth. Positionally, experientially, or practically. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, similar thing. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. What am I positionally in that passage of Scripture? I'm holy and beloved, or 
elect there. So I look at that, positionally speaking, I am, I am holy before God. I am beloved before God. Because of that, now there is kindness, there is compassion, there's mercy, there's all of these things. And that passage continues to go forward. But because God has set me here, now I do these things. I act on these things. I can't positionally change and not have experiences change in my life. Are we following? I hope this is making, I hope it makes sense. I hope it helps. And I hope it helps for next week when we really dive through this passage. Ephesians 5 and verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Other trans- translations say, ye were darkness. Stop and think of your previous p- position. Where were you before? This, God's word says that I was darkness. You were darkness. You weren't around darkness. You weren't near darkness. You were darkness. You were sin. I didn't live in a house with a bunch of sin. I was sin. That's who I was. Now What does it say? My position? Now I am a child of light. Now what? My position is I'm not darkness. I am now light. Now what? Walk like it. My position changes. My experiences change. It changes my position based on who we are, what we know we act on. How we are brought up causes us to act and to think in certain ways. Listen, there's people that live all around the world that would never act and think like you act and think. Why? Because where they live, that's what they do. I've traveled to several different countries around this world. When I went to Haiti, or when I went to Guatemala, or when I was in Egypt, or when I was in Colombia, and some of these several different places I've been, I would look at them and I would think, man, that doesn't make any sense. Because that's all that they know. And what the way that they were taught and brought up and all of those things causes them to act in a certain manner. Where you live today sometimes causes you to act in a certain manner. How you were brought up, how your parents taught you is often how you teach your children and then how you act. So we look at all of these things. It matters. If who I am is in Christ justified, My position changed, therefore my life begins to change. It is in and through the word of God. It's through knowing him and loving and seeking him. There's so many things in my life that I never fully understood. I was told my whole life, you need to have devotions. You need to have a quiet time. You need to read scripture. And I would always think, I'm in church. I didn't didn't do good at all of those things when I was younger. You know, a lot of why I didn't do it, I didn't fully understand the importance of it. I remember, this is how dumb I was. I remember sitting in college and going through theology classes and going through some of those things. And I would think to myself, I don't want to argue over these thoughts which I would still, to this day, say the same thing, because I think arguing over some theological things that we'll never know on this side of heaven is absolutely just ridiculous. People don't talk to each other because they believe one theological thought or this, and anyway, that's a whole nother whatever. But there was a long period of time when I would literally, I would say things like, well, I I just don't want to get into those things. Do you realize the more that I've gotten into it and understood the theology and understood the doctrine, how much it's changed me as a believer? Because now I fully grasp why that is and how important that is. This would be one of those topics when I grasp how important it is and what justification has done. It has completely wiped the state clean. It has completely allowed me to stand just before God changes everything. But the only way that we know some of these things is what? It's by allowing God's word into our hearts. 
It's me reading it. It's me studying it. It's me diving into the word of God. I can't be changed by the word of God if I'm not in the word of God. God isn't just going to radically change you because you want to be radically changed. That means I am going to have to go, okay, God, there's something on my end. And the more that I know you, the more I act like you. And the way that I can know you be in the word. Not just in church on Sunday. That's a part of it. But in the word on your own. I say it all the time. Take what I say. Take it home. Study it. Learn it for yourself. If I've made a bozo move, come back and tell me so that I can correct it and I can apologize publicly. I'm not the one that has the end all be all. I don't know everything about the word of God, but I want to teach it and I want you to go into it. The only way our lives are changed is right here. Today, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to, I want to be all of those things. We should do that for each other. Sundays ought to be a day where we are celebrating and we are excited to serve and we're excited to do all of those things. But it ought to also kick us into gear so we get up and we do it all over again the next day. So we look at all of these things, our position has changed. When we look at this, I want to share this one simple thought that's very, I, I've kind of talked through most of this and without using the word, but the difference between justification and sanctification. These are two words that are thrown out often. Justification is, as we've talked about, an act of God where you've been declared righteous. An act of God whereby you've been declared righteous. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. Justification does not make one, or justification makes one righteous, or ha, ah, I can't even read my own writing. Justification doesn't make one righteous, rather declares one righteous. God imputes righteousness into the believer's account. In sanctification, God imparts righteousness into the believer's actions. Justification changes my standing. Sanctification changes my state. That's the, the experiential portion of that. Justification is one act. It's one event. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Justification is what God did. Sanctification is what God is doing in and through you. God doesn't justify anyone he won't sanctify. And he doesn't sanctify anyone who hasn't been justified. It's a simple thought, but justification is what happens. That one singular act when we say, God, yes, I admit that I'm a sinner. I need you as my Savior. And God comes and justifies. He declares me righteous before God. Sanctification is the process from that moment until God takes you home. What do I need to do? This morning I ask you this, what does this mean to you? What do you need to do with a sermon like this? You might think, man, I didn't come to go to class today. I came to really be taught and to have someone preach at me and whatever it is. If you wanted to be in class, you'd have been here at 930 in Mike's class. Go to 930 in Mike's class. Listen, I, I, this is a plug. It's free, Mike. I didn't even charge him. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, uh, I sat down with Mike. We, we sit down on a regular basis and go over several different thoughts. And uh, we sat down this week, and he was sharing a lot of what was going on in the class at 930, the truth, what's it called, the truth project. Uh, if you haven't sat in there, I encourage you to go. That's, go over there. There's so much good. Mike's a great teacher, but the, the material is phenomenal. And so uh, I used a couple things in there this morning from in, in here. So, um, but uh, what do I need to do? What do you and I need to do with something like this? We need to walk by faith. But listen, some of you in here this morning, there might be one or two, there may be some that have never came to a place of placing faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Justification will change your life. Others of you are believers, and you know God. 
you would sit here and you would say, no, I know I have been justified, but my, my challenge to you is this. The more and the more and the more that I study, and I just said this a moment ago, the more that I grasp and understand the, the doctrines and the theology of God's word, the more that it changes me from the inside out. It's not good enough to just sit here and say, well, I'll be back again. My plea with you, my cry to you, is that we would beg God to know God, that we would seek God. Believer this morning, are we just seeking after God? I can't answer what seeking after God for you is. But I know as you were, if you were to study some of those words, seeking in Scripture, it's to find. It's to find. I will do everything. Listen, one of my children just walks away and is gone for a day or two or three. I will do everything in my power to seek after and find my child. That's what it is to seek after God. Do we seek after God? Do we seek to understand what it is to be justified? God, I, I believe that I believe with everything in me that I've been justified, but I do not understand it. And I'm going to seek after your word so that I understand it. It will change you. It will set you free. I believe it. But so many times we just sit here. Well, that was a good sermon, Pastor. Have a great week. See you next week. And that ain't good enough. It's not good enough. And all I can do this morning is plead with you. What do you need to do? Don't sit here. Don't walk out of these doors and look me in the face. I'll just see you next week. Though I hope to see you next week. I just made half of you like, well, fine then. <laughs> but growing. God, I, I want to understand. I want to know. Because in knowing, it changes me. And I understand my position before you. And as I understand my position before you, when I fail, I'm still a child of God. God, I confess those things. And I come back and I bow at your feet because I recognize how awesome and how mighty and how powerful and how pure and how righteous that you are. And God, I am unworthy to stand here, but God, I praise your name that you've allowed me and you call me your son. And I'm going to continue to press on. But I don't act like that until I begin to understand it and see that that is who God is. And that's what he's done for you. That's how he's declared you righteous. And I'm a filthy, wicked dude. But yet God would declare me righteous. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.